This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as our campuses join with us over in... uh... Stevens Point and the Fox Valley. Let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us this morning. And welcome to all of you still at home during this pandemic. Although more and more people are coming, I think pretty soon we're going to have to go back to the two services. Sure, we have to work harder. But uh, that's all right. That's all. You got to do what you got to do. Praise the Lord. Get everybody in here. So... uh, Man, remember back in the day, I was doing four services every Sunday morning. <sighs> anyway, I'm enjoying this one. <laughs> um, real quick, uh, we're going to take our offering. As you all know, we take it virtually now because we don't be handing stuff around. Uh, and uh, people give online. Many people do recurrent giving, which is the biggest help to us as an organization. And then others can text to give. You can do that now by picking up your phone and texting to this number, you're going to send a message to this number, 77977. That's the number you're going to text to. And in the message, you're going to put CCWI, which stands for Celebration Church, Wisconsin, and then the dollar amount. So, 77977, CCWI in the message, and the dollar amount. Today is also Mission Sunday, and uh, also you can give on the way out if you, if you prefer to do that. Um, or you can mail your checks in, either way, whatever. Um, uh, today's Mission Sunday, and this is when we give above and beyond our normal giving to missions. How do we do missions? Is that the same thing? CCWI. I can't get them to do CCWI. <laughs> CCWI, space, the dollar amount, space, missions. Space. space. No, you don't have the space anymore. <laughs> Pastor Mark's vacation fund, space, no. <laughs> Anyway, encourage you to uh, be as generous as you can to help those in need. All right, so uh, this morning we are going to be looking at Genesis at the very beginning. Genesis, the first chapter, starting at verse 1. If you're not, we're not going to go through the whole book. 
All right, Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Today is what's known as the first Sunday in the season of Epiphany. And we're going to be celebrating this season over the next uh, several Sundays. Actually, seven, I think, up to the time of Lent is how that works. What is an epiphany? Epiphany is a sudden intuitive perception of or insight into the reality or essential meaning of something. It's like when something dawns on you. I could have had a V8. You know, that kind of thing. Where something dawns on you, sometimes in the simplest ways. Even, a lot of you remember going to school and you're trying to figure out a math problem or something or whatever it is, and you can't get it, and you can't get it, and, get it, and all of a sudden, you got it. All of a sudden, it makes sense, okay? And this is important for faith because in faith, it's really built around epiphanies when things suddenly become clear to you. And the only person who can really do that is the Holy Spirit, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's the job of the Holy Spirit to enlighten people to be able to understand. We can do our best. I, as a minister, try to do my best to explain things to people. But until people really have a personal experience and an epiphany where it becomes real to them, it just doesn't become real to them. It's just a bunch of words flop, flopping around. Um, in uh, Ephesians, the first chapter, verse 18, uh, in the New Testament, we, we read these words, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. In other words, this epiphany to take place. In order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Uh, and that happens by an epiphany. Now, we're entering a time, uh, 21 days of prayer. We're going to be encouraging people to pray. And one of the things we want people to pray is that a spirit of grace would fall upon our congregation and that people who come here will experience epiphanies. All right? Even Jesus said, no one, in John 6, 44, his gospel, he says, no one can come to me except the Father who sent me draws him. Uh, and I will raise them up at the last day. You can't even be a person of faith without an epiphany. Uh, in a way, it's kind of a weight off of people who feel, well, I just need to figure out the right words to persuade someone. Uh, I don't walk around with that stress. Do you try to convert everybody? Well, as many as I can. But <laughs> it's not my fancy words that's going to do it. We need to be able to give a clear explanation of what we believe. But at the end of the day, God has to do the work. The Holy Spirit. If you're here and you're regular attender and stuff, undoubtedly you had, have, have had this ex experience, this epiphany where God really becomes real to you and you start to understand things you never understood before. So we are going to be in this season of epiphany and asking God to make things real to us. So, let me, I see Jimmy Bradshaw is watching me online here. Hi, Jimmy. Yes, We're, we welcome you. I have an open place for all filthy sinners here. And we're gonna, we're gonna, <laughs> and we try not to mention them by name usually. All right, so, so today, this is the epiphany I'm going for. Is it your birthday today? It is Randy's birthday. Give Randy a hand. You guys are probably don't know who Randy is. Fox Valley, but sure on for Randy. All right, okay. What am I talking about? Okay, so... Today's epiphany that I'm hoping people will get is this. We're going to look at Proverbs, the 30th chapter. Proverbs is written by Solomon, King Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived. And he makes this statement. He says, under three things, the earth trembles. 
And under four, it cannot bear up. And he talks, he says, there's these things that kind of shift reality. These three and four things that are greatly disturbing to the world around us. And then he tells us what it is. Number one, a servant who becomes a king. Or another translation says a pauper, which I like the word, same thing, servant pauper, just a poor person who becomes suddenly powerful and rich. Why would that be a problem? Because they don't know how to handle it. The second one is a godless fool who gets plenty to eat. Because he's got so much to eat, he thinks everything he thinks is right. A contemptible woman (laughs) who gets married. Sounds kind of mean. Other translations say an unloved woman. But as I was looking at this, it really means unlovable. Uh, That's why it shakes the earth. Because, and and some people can relate to this. We all know people that have such low self-esteem, they cannot love themselves. Therefore, they cannot allow themselves to be loved by anybody else. So somebody takes a wife, wants to love her, and she just refuses to be loved. It can't be loved. uh, And it is unsettling. And then finally, a servant who displaces her mistress. In other words, it's the same thing as a pauper who becomes a king, someone who's nobody no, uh, of poverty and suddenly becomes a person of wealth and power. Why is this upsetting? Uh, because people tend to take their mentality with them in whatever situ- situation they have. And when you have a pauper who becomes a king or any of these other ana- analogies, Everything shifts and shakes because it doesn't work, because the person who now has this new position can't handle it, because they have a hard time shaking their mentality. And what I want to talk to you about this morning, and the purpose of this first epiphany that I hope people will get, is the challenge of dealing with a poverty mentality. In a sense, we are all paupers who become kings in faith. Do you understand that? Okay, we are children of God. We are heirs, the Bible says, of Christ. You know, a lot of people like to be heirs of, you know, somebody really wealthy. (laughs) When you're heirs of God, that's pretty wealthy, okay? We have this incredible power, incredible position, incredible favor in our lives, and it's hard for many of us to get there. We just cannot comprehend it. Consequently, we tend to stay in a poverty mentality. I'm a nobody, I'm a nothing, I'll never count to anything, God really doesn't really like me. He just puts up with me because he has no choice. Whatever kind of thinking that we have. And it holds us back in life. We carry this poverty mentality with us from the world instead of the abundant mentality that is from God. And as you read this scripture, we're going to look at some of them this morning. But the Bible is very clear. God has an abundance mentality. It's not a limiting mentality. And the greatest statement where Jesus said, all things are possible to him who believes. Anything's possible. It really is. And it's hard for people to grasp because we are surrounded by what we feel are limitations. Oftentimes, self-imposed limitations are limitations from our mentality that we've been raised in. So let's take a look at the seven signs that you have a poverty mentality. Sign number seven, you always highlight your state of lack. The normal default for a lot of people is to dwell more on the things they do not have instead of appreciating the things that they do have. And they're always highlighting, always talking about lack, lack, lack in my life. Lack, lack, lack. People who do this tend to come from a poverty mentality. Sign number six, that you suffer from a poverty mentality. You always believe you can't afford things. It's too expensive. I don't think we'll ever have enough money to be able to buy that. Listen, if you want something, here's a radical concept. Work for it. Yes. 
If you think it'll make your life or that of your loved ones more comfortable and better, then save up for it. Don't expect a check from Uncle Sam so you can get it. Yes. Embrace a more positive approach to something rather than dwell on that you cannot afford. And these people are just always a bummer. Everything's a bummer to them. Oh, I'll never have it. Oh, it's like Eeyore with a cloud over him. He's like, oh, bother. Oh, how you doing? Oh, bother. My life's terrible, but it'll get worse. Don't worry. Oh, bother. You know? and, and they just have this mentality that nothing can change in their lives. Sign number five, that you suffer from a poverty mentality. You constantly think you are a victim of circumstance. It's everybody else's fault. I didn't get that promotion. That other guy got the promotion. He shouldn't have gotten it. It should have been mine. And it's, woe is me. You'll always be a victim if you allow yourself to be one. Straight up. At some point, you have to stop and say, I will no longer be a victim. Instead of looking at a temporary situation as a major obstacle, look at it as an opportunity to rise up and face the challenge head on and to learn. Don't let life kick the life out of you. All right? Now, that's not to say you're never going to have problems. You're going to have problems. Isn't that good news today? <laughs> Day's not up. Who knows what'll happen before the sun sets? Life is hard. How many of you notice life is hard? Yes, the rest of you are in another world. I don't know where you're at. But it's a hard, hard things. And, you know, what do these hard experiences do? They teach you to either carry on and to learn, grow in faith. Like, hey, I whipped that one. I can whip something else. You know, we often tell the story of uh, David and Goliath, right? David, this young guy, nobody knows. He's probably 16 years old, maybe 17. We don't know. He comes, uh, he might have been 15. Anyway, he comes to this battle. And we read the account where the Philistines and the Israelites are on two different hills. And every day they'd get it together and they'd yell at each other, but nobody would do anything. And then they'll break for lunch, you know. The next day they'd get out and do it again. And it was a stalemate. Nobody could move. Uh, they were, and so David comes one day, this young guy, to check out his brother, see how things are doing. And he say, well, what, what, what's with the deal? Why are we standing off? Say, well, look at this guy. He keeps coming forward. And this big, gigantic man, Goliath, comes forward. And he keeps threatening the Israelites and insulting them saying, you know, why don't you come down here and I'll kill whoever he's, you know, yeah, 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 kind of a man version of that. And, uh, uh, and so everybody's freaked out. Well, David sees him and says, well, I can take him. And everybody around him got ticked, right? Well, you arrogant little snot. How dare you come into this? We're professional soldiers, for heaven's sakes. You're a nobody, you're a nothing. You still smell like the sheep you're hanging around. That's what he did, he was a shepherd. He says, I'm telling you, I can take him. So he goes to the king, or someone tells the king, and the king sends for him and says, you think you can take this guy? And they say, yeah. So the king says, well, go ahead. Now, why would the king do this? They're on a, there's no way King Saul thought this little ruddy guy could take that gigantic man. But he was probably thinking, well, something's got to happen. <laughs> he wants to die? Let him die. <laughs> Maybe his valiant death will inspire others, you know. He wasn't exactly the most positive guy either. So uh, David goes out there, and of course, we know the story. He just comes right to this guy, takes a sling, and whap, knocks him out. He falls over. He grabs the guy's sword, cuts his head off, and raises it. And all the guys on the Israelites went, woo! And all the Philistines went, ow! And then they started chasing him, and they had a great victory that day. 
Now we think, well, how did that happen? Well, it happened because when, when David was saying he could do this, how do you know you can do it? He says, because I was washing my sheep one day and, and a bear came and tried to take a, 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 one of the lambs and I killed that bear. Another time a lion came and I killed that lion. He had smaller challenges that he had experienced because some of these things that can happen to us either can push you back or make you stronger. His confidence was sky high. I can kill a bear. I can kill a lion. Who's this big guy? He's a big bear. Let's kill him. And that's why he was able to do what he did. Don't always think that you are a victim of circumstances. You can't control your circumstances. I know it's hard, but your parents, that's who you get. You know, you can't <laughs> Talk to my son. There's nothing you can do about it. This is, you know, you can't blame life. Oh, I'm stuck in a situation. No, oh, this horrible thing happened to me. Did you like that? Sign number four, you suffer from a poverty mentality. You think things are never going to change. I was born poor. I'll die poor. My mammy was poor. Her mammy was poor. Her mammy was poor. Poor, poor people. You need to be the first person to believe things can change. Amen. And things will get better. Because all things are possible to him who believes. Amen. Start believing you can change the course of your life. Work hard. Have faith. Side number three that you suffer from a poverty mentality is you have something against rich people. <laughs> oh man, is there a lot of that around us. You hear it all the time. Ah, these guys are rich. Yeah, I hate those rich people. Ah. These are small-minded people who are suffering from a poverty mentality. This is because with a poverty mentality, you have a pie version of life in your head. In other words, if someone has a bigger piece of pie, then that means someone else will have a less piece of pie. So if we have some pie here for these three ladies and Deanna takes a bigger piece, that's not fair to her, and she's getting a smaller piece because you took a bigger piece. People literally live their whole lives like, like that. Everything is a pie mentality. If you do too much here, if somebody gets too much, how unfair. My, the guy who runs my company makes so much money. He's robbing from all of us. He's not robbing from you, you nitwit. Because just work harder. It's not a pie. You know what it is? It's an ocean world, not a pie world. If we're discussing sharing one piece of pie with everybody on the front row, we have to be judicious in our pie approach. Because there's almost so much pie for everyone. All right? But if we're talking about the ocean, and someone goes down and wants to get a gallon of ocean water, nobody cares. In fact, you can pull a truck up and fill up if you like. You can get your swimming pool. You can do whatever you want with other because there's no end to it. That's the reality of life. Anything is possible. We do not live in a limited world. Don't think because somebody else makes more money than you that that's why you don't have money. And I promise you, people with a poverty mentality, that's exactly the way they think. And they resent rich people because of it. You know, it's, it's one of the reasons so many people hate Jewish people. It's true. We always hear about these races. One of the, you know what's behind that whole thing? Because Jewish people, they have for thousands of years. Everything we're reading this morning comes from a Jewish perspective. They were raised with this. 
This isn't the United States of America who's been around for a couple of hundred years. These people have been around for thousands and thousands of years. If there's one thing about the teachings of the Old Testament and Solomon and, and Judaism is God is abundant. You can succeed. You can have more than, than enough. And there's a whole nation of people raising them, And they tend to succeed insanely well. People get mad. Well, the Jews, they control all the banks. Jews control Hollywood. Jews control this. Jews. You know why? Because they do it intentionally. Not robbing from you, you Nimrod. Go do the same thing. These are people who by nature, and people get mad, you know, well, God tried to Jew me down. It's a terrible thing to say. It's a, and some people say they don't even know what they're saying. They just know that someone's trying to cheat. They're not cheating you. They just know if they can pay $9, why pay 10 Right? They have a mentality. They tend to prosper greatly. Now, of course, there's poor Jewish people like everybody else, but this is one of the things that so many people dislike them because they're so successful. Because people with a poverty mentality see successful people and they resent them and they hate them because they are taking too much of the pie. And what they know is there's no limit to the pie. There's an ocean out there. We don't worry. We don't even think about pies. Don't have a negative attitude towards people who have more than you. Number two sign that you suffer from a poverty mentality, you allow, you allow failure to define your boundaries. It's like a shock collar. Have you ever used one of these things for a dog or a cat? We used to have two little white furry creatures, cats. And they were always running all over the place. And we learned that there's this thing, they call it the invisible fencing, is what they call it. And as long as they're here, they're right. And they're, they don't see anything, but as soon as they start to cross this line, all of a sudden, <laughs> and it freaks them out. What was that? And they try it again. <laughs> and after a while, they learn, don't step over here. I don't know what's here. But something, when I step here, <laughs> all right? This is what failure does to people. It teaches them, I cannot do this. I cannot proceed this way. I cannot... Go forward because I'm going to get shocked. Failure to them means that's the limit. That's the invisible line. Do not cross this. I know people who, who talk about investing. Oh, I'm I, I lost $500 once on investment. I'll, I'll never do it again. So they say poor. Oh, I tried this once. It didn't work. Once. Failure devastates these people. And I don't understand it. I have failed so much in my life. You have no idea. I kind of downplay them. But someday I want to write my life story from an ass to an asset. You know, <laughs> just because all the stupid things I've done. I'm going to do it. I just got to get to the asset part yet. I'm still working, working on that. But when I make mistakes, I don't go, oh, that's it. I'll never try it again. Do you know some of the wealthiest people in the world overwhelmingly have failed at massive magnitudes multiple times? Some years ago, uh, we had a speaker come and speak here. Some of you guys have been around for a while. He was from Australia, wealthiest man in the city. Uh, yeah, on the nation of Australia. He's filthy, filthy, filthy. Why, why do we say filthy rich? He's very clean rich. All right, there you go, the negative mentality. Research, 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 research. And he's telling a story. 
and story of faith and encouraging people. And he starts telling, you know, he says, I have lost fortunes five different times. And he, he millions, of, and then he tried again. And he'd lose it all again. And he'd try it again. Five times I'm thinking, who keeps investing with you? <laughs> let's, let's try this other guy, you know. But people keep investing with him because he seems to come up with good. And then he finally hits it and made a fortune. I was uh, up helping credits at our cabin up there with her father-in-law. And he, he's flipping through TV channels. And he hits uh, Shark Tank. Is that what it's called? Yeah, Shark Tank, okay. So these insane people come trying to get investing ideas. Some of them are pretty smart. Most of them are really stupid. And, uh, and this guy... Uh, the shark's basically telling him, no, and he just breaks down and starts crying, which is really creepy. <laughs> and I was like, dude, grow up here, all right? This is, this is horrible. And he's like, crying, well, I had a hard time, and I failed it. And because he had one or two failures, he thought, well, this is the end of his life now. Because, and the sharks are actually very nice to him. And he said, listen, I have lost fortunes multiple times. They almost all had the story. The thing is, is they, their failures do not define them. They look at failures as an aberration. You see what I'm saying? A lot of people with a poverty mentality look at failure as a statement. This is right. I was wrong. I failed. I cannot do it. Rich, really successfully rich, never look at failure as a statement. They look at it as an aberration. This is not normal. We'll try it again. And if they fail again, well, they still don't believe it. They doubt their failures. We tend to doubt our successes. Well, I don't know how I succeeded. I don't really deserve it. That's a poverty mentality. These people are incredible in their thinking. And they just keep going. Don't let the shock collar of failure lock you. In. You know, here's the funny thing about it. If the goofy cat and dog would figure it out, if they just cross through this spot, they'll be fine. <laughs> There's no shocking over here. <laughs> I find There's no shocking. It's just that one spot. They think it's the end of the world, right? Oh, there's nothing. If this is bad, that's really got to be horrible. Right? I mean, if they're zapping me here, oh my goodness, what's going to happen over there? I was like, you know, just think it through. But they're cats. Very small brains. Oh, I can't go. Don't let that happen to you. But the number one sign you suffer from a poverty mentality is you don't give any money. You don't give money to anybody or anything, any cause, any church, nothing. You hang on to it as tight as you possibly can. My precious, my precious, I love my precious. Yeah. I just took two movies. I went from Lord of the Rings to... Wizard of Oz. My precious. <laughs> Get you and your little dog, too. Fixing my movies this morning. I need more sleep, I think. Uh, anyway, they don't give to anything. Why? Because of the pie mentality. If I give, all that means is we won't have. And that's what keeps people from giving. Despite the fact that God says, if you will be generous, he will be generous to you. Luke, sixth chapter, 
Verse 38, Jesus said this, give and it will be given to you. A little bit? No. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, uh, running over, will be poured into your lap. Why don't people give? They don't believe that. They just don't. There's millions of wonderful people. They love God. They're faithful, sweet people. But they do not believe what Jesus said. They just don't. Because their poverty mentality has them locked. That can't be true. That can't be true. It's a pie. If I give away a piece of my pie, now all I'm going to do is walk around all week with one less slice of pie. When Jesus says, if you'll give, I will bless you. And in no small way, being poured into your lap. Jesus said in Luke, the 11th chapter, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. My wife, actually my wife got my, this whole sermon going this last week when she shared this verse with me. Um, this whole message going. Uh, Proverbs 22, verse 9. Look at this. He who has a bountiful eye, I love that analogy because they see things differently. They see abundance. He who has a bountiful eye shall be blessed, for he gives of his bread to the poor. Now, one of the keys to overcoming a poverty mentality is to honestly admit we have one. Um, some of us do, many of us do not, but some just do. And uh, you're the only one who can really tell that. You know, Wisconsin kind of struggles with this. Now, don't misunderstand me. I love Wisconsin. I can live anywhere in the world I, I want. I choose to live here. I like it here. I love the people here. The people here are beautiful and amazing people. And, uh, uh, you know, I, one of the things I, I love going to a Packer game. And, and if you've ever traveled to other uh, venues, you know people can be really mean. And they see you with a cheese head or a Packer, they'll curse at you. They'll throw stuff at you. They'll, I mean, they'll virtually abuse you. You know what I love about Packer fans is when we're in the set and they see somebody coming with, with the other team's jersey. Hey, man, welcome to Green Bay. Glad you're here. It's very embracing. You see it all around it. And people remark all the time, it's really a different experience when you come to a Packer game. People are really nice. That's a wonderful thing that we have in our state. I also love the fact that people here don't have fake emotions. If people don't like you, they will tell you. <laughs> it's true. Now, I don't know if any of you have been in the South. Any of you have been in the South? Okay, they're really nice people, but they can be as phony as the day is long. Because if they love you, they will say, bless your heart. And if they plan to stab you, they'll say, bless your heart. You have no idea. They, I mean, they just wear this big plastic face all the time. And I enjoy the nice side of it, but then the phony part, I just think, I like Wisconsin. If people don't like you, they tell you, go away, I don't like you. It's very reassuring. All right. It's a great state full of great people, very positive things. And the number of people who come to preach at our church that I bring in from the outside always remark to me, wow, your people are amazing. I mean, they love speaking and the response that they get. But let us not delude ourselves. This state, especially from the middle on up, struggles with a poverty mentality. These are people who have a hard time seeing anything but a limited pie. Uh, a lot of people who move here, and I just got an email this week from someone who moved here from Florida. Said, I really like it here. You know, it's really difficult to make new friends. If you ever talk to people who do that, they'll tell you that you hear stuff like this all the time. Why? Because it's a, a limited pie. Well, I, I can't make a new friend because I, that'll take away from the friends that I have. No, 
That's not, you know, it's one of the reasons why some of you in, in uh, second marriages struggle so much with each other over your kids. Because a lot of people, they, and, I, and I try to intervene in these battles all the time, put on a helmet, flak jacket. You know? <laughs> because they cannot love the other person's kid like their own kid. And they won't even try. Why? Well, it's a limited pie. If I love someone else's kid more than my kid, then my kid will suffer. That's a poverty mentality. And it's not true. You can love your kids, you can love their kids, and you can love half the kids in your neighborhood who their parents don't like them anyway. <laughs> there is no limit to this stuff. And I see that some high for people to make close friends when they move to this area. Um, uh, you know, one of the constant complaints that we get, and I need to shut up here pretty quick. One of the constant complaints of people, and unless you travel a lot, you just don't hear it and see it. But uh, especially in smaller businesses that don't have a corporate mentality, which tends to be an abundant mentality. These are the places where that if you buy something, you can go back later with a receipt and they'll just take it back. I can't believe they do this. What a bunch of idiots. No, they have an abundant mentality. But the smaller stores generally do not. And it's amazing how terrible the customer services are in this state. And I hear it all the time from people who come here. It's just, you, you go into a place and it's like you're an inconvenience to them. Particularly if you're not talking to the owner. If you're talking to the owner, they tend to be nice. If you talk to the employer, they can care less. Yeah, well, can I try this on? Oh, I don't know. You can buy it. <laughs> well, I don't know. Let me see if it fits. I don't know. I'll have to take it out of the raffle and then I got to raffle it again later. <laughs> I'm not making this. I don't know if you've seen this. I was in a store in an electronics place and I said, can I, can I see that thing up in that box? and uh, see what that, that unit looks like. You know, oh, no, you're going to buy it? Well, I don't know. That's why I want to see it. He says, well, I ain't going to open it if you ain't going to buy it. Oh, my word. And there's so many versions. If you're raised in it, you don't notice it. It's just, it is what it is. I'm telling you, when you come from outside into this kind of mentality, especially in smaller places, it is rather shocking. And the customer service. I was in a place of customer service. I think I stood there for 30 minutes before the one guy acknowledged I was even standing there. <laughs> Walking around, looking at stuff. You know. Finally got in and said, yeah, yeah, can I help you? Oh, yeah. Actually, you could have 30 minutes ago. You know. But it's, I just know what it is. You can't be bothered. You know, just, you're going to take away from my time. That's something else. Everything's limited, limited, limited. When you have an abundant mentality, you don't think that way. A lot of these corporations don't think that. That's why they're willing to take stuff back, even though you really had it longer than you should. You know, obviously some people abuse it. <laughs> They'll buy a new one, then take the new receipt to take back the broken one. <laughs> All kinds of games people play. But you know what? These places, do they look like they're suffering to you? No. They get very loyal customers because they have a generous mentality. As people of faith, we should see be some of the most generous people on earth. And, and here's the thing. I'm not talking about being rich. Filthy rich. When it says Jesus will give to you and God will bless you. What the Bible talks about is having more than enough. You can always have more than enough. People will always have varying degrees of income. But it wouldn't be great if no matter what your income is, somehow you always had more than enough. Just always have more. It's always there. It's always there. That's what God does to generous people. He will bless them. 
Let me be clear, poverty mentality is oftentimes the result of decades and decades of faulty thinking that is passed on from one generation to the next generation. And no 30-minute sermon can change that way of thinking. But the Holy Spirit, in a moment, can bring an epiphany, where all of a sudden you have an aha moment. Hopefully you've had that so far this morning. Maybe it'll hit you later in the week, maybe months from now. You'll think, man, all of a sudden it will dawn on you. He can, in a moment, change the perspective that you've been locked in for all of your life. I cannot do it, but he can. If you are suffering from a poverty mentality, let me offer two suggestions. One, ask God to give you an epiphany of what is possible to those who believe. And then secondly, be intentional. Read books. Just go on Amazon and type in poverty mentality and see how many books pop up. There are gazillions of writers, successful people, who suffer from a poverty mentality, broke it, and became incredibly successful. And they've written book after And all the ones I've looked at, they're all full of brilliant ideas, great perspectives. Be intentional. If you think this is a problem you have, shake it, man. Shake it. And start living in a mentality of abundance. All right. So, having said all that, let's celebrate the unlimited abundant grace that God offers to all of us through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus, as we go into our communion time and wrap up the service. Now, when we take communion together, what are we doing? We are celebrating the death of Jesus on that cross 2,000 years ago. He was the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He took the rap we should all get, right? He has made forgiveness possible for all of us. He said on the night that he was, just the night before he was going to go to the cross, he gave bread to his disciples and said, this is my body, broken for you. This is my blood when he gave him the wine that makes forgiveness of sins possible. He says, whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of me. We reflect now on this abundant, unlimiting grace. No matter how horrible you may or may not be, grace is always there for us. And before we take communion, the Bible always encourages us to have a moment of reflection. Think on our, in our own lives. Where are we at with God? And it's a great time just to ask God for forgiveness in your life. I want everybody to bow your heads and I'm going to pray a prayer for, of forgiveness for all of us. Heavenly Father, before we partake of the bread and the cup this morning and in obedience to the scriptures, we pause to examine ourselves. If we've sinned against you in any way, something we said, something we shouldn't have said, uh, something we did, something we shouldn't have done. Uh, if we've not loved you with our whole heart, if we haven't been kind to others, for the sake of your son, Jesus, we just ask you to forgive us wherever we're at, whatever our situation. Have mercy on us. Forgive us of our sins. Strengthen us with your power and your goodness and let your Holy Spirit keep us in eternal life. And as people have their heads bowed right now, I'm praying, if you're new to faith, if you've never truly experienced God's saving grace in your life, I want to encourage you, just quietly in your own words, ask Jesus to come into your life. Say, forgive me of, of my sins and come into my life. You can take your first steps of faith and experience an epiphany of what God can do in your life today. Amen.